Hi there, this is Mrs. Rhine, and I'm going to read chapter six in the book, Dragons in a Bag, by Zeta Elliott. We stop in front of the entrance to Prospect Park. Behind us, cars race along Flatbush Avenue. Joggers trot past us and mothers push babies in strollers. Mama used to bring me here when I was little. There's a carousel and a zoo on the side of the park, plus a playground and Leffert's house, where Dutch settlers used to live. Prospect Park is one of my favorite places in Brooklyn, but being here with Ma makes me feel more nervous than excited. I put a hand over my stomach and hope I don't look as queasy as I feel. What does an old witch with baby lizards from Madagascar do in a place like Prospect Park? Turns out we weren't actually going inside the park. Instead, we stand before the tall stone gate while Ma examines the tumultuous sky. The dark clouds above us look like water swirling down a drain. Looks like rain, I say, hoping that will prompt her to act, but Ma just gives me a thoughtful, hmm, before giving her bag a reassuring pat. What do we do now, I ask, as raindrops start to spatter my face. Wait, Ma replies. I follow her over to a stone bench and watch as Ma eases herself onto it with a groan. I'm too anxious to sit, so I stand a few feet away. One or two pigeons do their jerky walk nearby, hoping they'll will toss them some crumbs or something else to eat. Whenever a pigeon gets too close, I swing my foot in its direction and send it flapping away. But more and more pigeons descend from the angry sky and soon we're surrounded by a sea of cooing birds. I stamp my foot to scare them away, but Ma says, leave them be. They know what time it is. That makes no sense to me, but I do as I'm told and I sit down next to Ma on the hard stone bench. I still glances at her, but try to act cool. I've never seen a real witch before. Ma doesn't look anything like the witches you see on TV. I want to ask her how she became a witch. Was she someone else's apprentice once? I'm curious, but also a little bit scared, and I don't want to say something corny like, where's your broomstick? So I just crack my knuckles and wait for Ma to say something to me. She's gone back to staring at the sky, so nothing gets said for a while. Before I can think of a sensible witch question to ask, a homeless man pushing an overflowing grocery cart comes our way. He's wearing so much clothing, he looks like a walking pile of laundry. I count at least three different hats stacked on top of his head, which he keeps tucked in close to his chest. I can't see the man's face, but his cart carries an old TV, clear bags full of empty soda cans and bottles, and more clothes. I try not to stare because Mama says that's rude, but Ma doesn't seem to feel that way. In fact, Ma shifts closer to me, so there's more room on the bench, and sure enough, the man parks his cart and sits down right beside her. Ma, he says in a gruff but friendly voice. Ambrose, she replies politely. I stare at the ground so no one can tell how surprised I am. Ma knows this guy? You ever think about traveling light? She asks him. You ought to find someplace to park that cart. It's slowing you down, bro. The man reaches out a gloved hand and grips the rim of his cart. Sorry to keep you waiting, Ma, but you know I like to keep my prized positions within reach. Ma nods like she understands. Then she uses her cane to knock a clump of dried mud off one of his missing shoes. How are things? The man lifts his head to gaze at the street. 
Things ain't what they used to be, Ma, but you don't need me to tell you that. Any trouble with the transporter? You traveling today? Ma shrugs. Might be. Thought you left that game a long time ago, Ma. You ain't no spring chicken, you know. Ma grunts and taps her cane anxiously on the pavement. Tell me about it. But you know how it is, bro. Every time I get close to retirement, they find some way to keep me on the job. Ambrose chuckles. What is it this time? Ma pats her bag and says, I gotta make a delivery. Ambrose tilts his head to the side, which makes the fedora on top start to slide off. That's grunt work, Ma. Why they got a pro like you making deliveries? Ma tugs at the straps of her bag and looks around to see if anyone's listening. You know how it is, bro. Some deliveries are more special than others. Ambrose nods so hard that the fedora finally does fall off. I pick it up and hand it to him. And that's when I see the gap. It's a mild spring day, but Ambrose is wrapped up from head to toe. He's wearing so much clothing, I can't see an inch of his skin. But even with all his layers, I still see air between the elastic cuff of his bubble coat and his glove when Ambrose reaches out his hand to take back his hat. Before today, I wouldn't have paid much attention to a homeless man sitting on a bench in front of Prospect Park. But now that I know Ma's a witch, nothing seems normal. If Ambrose wasn't wearing a hundred different pieces of clothing, I think he'd be invisible. Thanks, kid, he says, before setting the fedora on top of his baseball cap. To Ma, he says, he's with you? Ma looks at me for a few seconds before we responds, yeah, he's with me. And the birds? Ma shrugs and looks up at the angry sky. Guess they figured I needed a winged escort. Ambrose laughs and pulls a clear plastic bag from his cart. He undoes the knot and tosses birdseed at the pigeons. They hurry over to him, clearing the sidewalk in front of Ma and me. First day on the job? Ambrose asks. He keeps his head down like he's watching the birds, but I know he's talking to me. I open my mouth to reply, but Ma beats me to it. He's just a temp, she says. Ambrose laughs again. <laughs> All your apprentices are temporary. Ma, watch yourself. Kid on the job training in our line of work can be risky. Say, Ma, what happened to your last apprentice? Did his hair ever grow back? Of course it did. Ma puts her hand on my arm and gives me a sharp squeeze. Don't listen to him, Jax. Bro's just messing with you. To Ambrose, she said, you ready? I'm always ready, Ma. Just say the word. Ma puts both hands on her cane and pushes herself off the bench with another groan. Is that really necessary? We've known each other a long time, bro. True, but I don't make the rules, Ma. Can't open the door unless you give me the password. Door? I look around, but the only door I can see belongs to the guardhouse. There's one at each corner of the park entrance. It looks like the tiniest castle ever built, with round stone walls and a pointed red-tiled roof. Two steps lead up to a black door that has no knob, just a gold keyhole in the center. The guardhouse used to have windows on the sides of it and its door, but metal plates and black bars weave across the space where glass ought to be. It might be the perfect hideout for rats, but why would Ma want to go in there? The pigeons take advantage of Ma's distracted state and gather at her feet once more. Ma curses under her breath and fishes inside her purse for several seconds before pulling out a small blue book. She opens it impatiently, flips from page to page. Finally, she cries out, got it. 
I watch as Ma leans in close to Ambrose and whispers something in his ear. He nods and then grips his cart to steady himself as he gets to his feet. Ambrose pulls a key from a pocket inside his heavy coat and leads Ma over to the guardhouse that's closest to our bench. I hear a loud click as he unlocks the black door. Ma waits for Ambrose to shuffle back over to his cart before she tries opening the door. Since it has no knob, she tugs at the bars over the window until the heavy door creaks open. Ambrose deposits the key inside his coat and calls over his shoulder. The transporters had some irregular outcomes in the past few weeks. Ma frowns and pulls the black door open a bit more so she can peer inside. I don't need to hear that, bro, she says wearily. Not today. Just thought you should know, Ma, since you're taking a friend. Be prepared for potential irregularities. I'm always prepared, Ma says with confidence. Ambrose nods again and pushes his cart back down Flatbush Avenue. Well, it's been a pleasure, Ma. You take good care of yourself. And if I don't, who will? Ma asks with a smile. Ambrose raises his hand and Ma waves back even though he can't see her. Then she turns to me and says, ready to go? Go where? I ask as my stomach does a quick flip. From this world to another. Shouldn't take too long. You ever been to Coney Island, Jax? I nod and Ma says, sort of like riding the cyclone, bumpy but fast. I shoo the remaining pigeons away and walk up to the guardhouse. With all the windows blocked, it's dark inside, but enough light comes through the open door to show a second door on the back wall. Nothing to be afraid of, says Ma. We just close the door, hold on, and come out the other side once we reach our destination. Um, which is? Ma sighs. I know you like Geography Jacks, but the place we're going isn't on any map you've ever seen. And the lizards will be safe there? I ask. I do care about them, but mostly I'm trying to delay the decision Ma wants me to make. Ma takes the gold pocket watch from her purse. She turns it over in her palm and says more to herself than me. It's time. The rain starts to fall more steadily, and people rush out of the park, paying us no mind. Only the pigeons find us fascinating. One even lands on Ma's shoulder. I would have freaked out, but Ma just strokes the bird before gently pushing it off. Finally, Ma looks at me through the drizzle and says, Here's the deal, Jax. The real deal. The creatures Elroy sent me aren't lizards. They're dragons. There's not enough magic here to sustain these creatures. That's why they can't stay in Brooklyn. Ma pauses to give me a chance to say something, but I'm speechless. So she goes on. I know it's a lot to take in. I'm a witch. I've got three dragons in my bag, and I'm supposed to look after you for a while. You can come with me, but I'd understand if you wanted to go stay with your friend instead. What was his name? Vic, I tell her. Right. You got options, Jax. Ma watches me for a moment and then says, You look a little queasy already. Maybe you should stay with Ambrose. He hasn't gone for far. If you hurry, you can catch him. I'll find you when I get back, I promise. I peer into the dark, cramped guardhouse and wonder whether Mama was right to run away from Ma. Maybe my mother felt them the way I feel right now. You don't have to come, Ma tells me. No hard feelings, really. But you have to make up your mind fast, Jax, because I got to go. A whining sound comes from Ma's purse and more pigeons flock to the guardhouse. I glance up the block and wonder what Ambrose and I would talk about if I chose to stay behind with him instead of going who knows where with Ma. 
There's probably a payphone at the nearby subway station, and the library isn't too far away. I could call Vic and tell him to meet me there. Or I could travel to a faraway world and help Ma deliver those baby dragons. Ma shoes the pigeons out of the guardhouse and steps inside. There's barely enough room for her to turn around. Ma smiles at me and waves before grabbing hold of the metal ring on the center of the door. I'll be back soon, Jax, she says with a wave. Ma's smiling, but I see something in her blue-black eyes. I think it might be disappointment. How many new recruits have walked away when Ma needed their help? I'm not her official apprentice, like she said. I'm just a temp, but I have nothing better to do right now. In my bag, I've got Elroy's book, which should teach me a thing or two about the wondrous dragons of Madagascar. I already got left behind once today. I don't want to get left behind again. Just as Ma starts to pull the heavy door shut, I call out, Wait! I'm coming with you, Ma! You might need a helper, I tell her as I squeeze in. Ma pulls the door shut with a bang. It's pitch black inside the cramped guardhouse, but my racing heart slows down a bit when Ma puts her hands on my shoulders. All right, Jax, hold on. This could be a bumpy ride.